Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. What is the outflow? Devotion. When I hope fully in God, my devotion fully follows. It flows out towards God and it looks like a life marked by holiness. Be holy because I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. And in a striving towards that holiness, there's also a godly fear because we know that we were purchased with the blood of Christ. And that was the last two weeks and tonight we want to ask the question, but how do I grow in holiness? How do I sanctify myself? How does that process work? Can I even sanctify myself? How am I to be holy? What is holiness? How is God like? How do I grow in that? And then obviously the answer to that is something we understand and that's familiar to us. Nobody debates the fact that the word of God is what leads us in holiness. Nobody debates the fact that the word is how we get to know God. Holy like he is holy. What is he like? Look into the word. How do I grow spiritually? The Word. What sanctifies me? The Word. And we get that. We understand that. But many times when it comes to the Word, it feels like this yoke placed upon our shoulders. Man, there's this book I have to read and obey. I don't feel like it. I have no longing for it. I have no desire. Because we understand it in the wrong context. To earn salvation many times, to earn God's love, to earn God's favor. If you want to really get charismatic, to earn some anointing, we have to read, we have to obey. But it's not quite the way Peter explains it in this passage. It's not why we draw near. It's a different sense of drawing near. And in light of that, people tend to say, in our recent context, people don't read scripture anymore. There's a, a biblical illiteracy. People don't understand the word of God. People don't read the word of God anymore. They're not devoted to it anymore. But scripture says that has always been the case. From the beginning that the word of God was made available to man, there has been a temptation to neglect and to be passive concerning the word of God. The writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 5 from verse 11, and he says, About our high priest Jesus Christ, we have much to say, but it's difficult since you have become dull of hearing. You struggle to learn. And you've been saved so long that you've been able to instruct others by now. You should have been able. You should have been making disciples by now. But now you need someone to come and teach you the basics about the Word of God again. It's there from the beginning. And then to examine ourselves, what that basic says, he says you are babies in, this, in the faith. You need milk, not solid food. And he says the basics of the Christian doctrines are, he says let's move on, not laying again the foundation, Hebrews 6 verse 1 and 2, of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. About washings, baptism, about laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. That is the basics of the Christian faith. And scripture says, let's move on. Let's get that now. Let's lay that foundation. Let's mature as Christians. 
And in light of that, I want to ask us tonight, where are you spiritually? Where are you concerning the Word of God? Are you still an infant in the faith? Or are you growing mature? When you look at your spiritual growth, would you say you are passive or growing? Many times we feel like when I look at that person and the way God uses them, and the way they are growing in their faith, man, I, I don't think I'll ever be there. I'm just going to stay here where I am. Many times we feel like that. And the reason we need to introspect and see where we are is so that we can know where we are, so that we can move to where we need to be. It's not so that we can sit there condemned and think, oh man, here I am again. Now for a long while, every year, on the same day I got saved, I thought to myself, yeah, he said, yeah, via. Just doesn't feel like I've grown at all. He said, yeah, And many times we feel like that. And scripture says you don't need to feel like that. God has given us the capacity to grow by His grace and has also given us the resources to grow by His grace. So let's read through 1 Peter and see what we can learn. So we're going to continue where we stopped last week. We're going to read from verse 22 in chapter 1 to verse 10 in chapter 2. It says the following, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it they may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourself like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." beautiful passage of scripture in light of what God has done in light of how we respond to the gospel and that God has granted us to be born again to a living hope and then scripture explains how that born again happened what God uses to cause us to be born again and also what he uses to sanctify nourish and sustain us you know see Spurgeon said we were created by the Word of God. Is it any wonder that the Word of God sustains us? See, Scripture says the same thing that saves you is the same thing 
that sanctifies. We read here in verse 22 and verse 23. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. How do we purify our souls? By obeying the truth. For a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, how? Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and abiding word of God. It's the living and abiding word of God that saves and that sanctifies. You see, we read in the Gospels in John 17, 17, Jesus praying for his disciples and extending that prayer, saying, Father, and to everyone who believes through their word, that is all of us as the gospel spread throughout the world. And he says in verse 17, sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. And then we read in Romans 1 verse 16 and 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to all who believe, for the Greek first, and then also to the Gentile. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The power of the gospel. That is how God saves. You know, and from verse 18 onwards to 23 in that same chapter of Romans 1, it speaks about general revelation, something that all men understand. And it says, but the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodly and the unrighteous, because men by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Because what can be known about God is clear to them because God has shown it to them. His eternal power and His godliness. So they are without excuse. From the beginning of creation. So in light of that also we see that there is no such thing as an honest atheist. If I believe scripture I have to believe that everybody intentionally suppresses the truth when they say they don't believe in God. But that is general revelation scripture speaks of. It says we have a need for something else in light of general revelation. What general revelation means is when we look at the world, when we look at creation, we deduce there must be a creator. It's like when looking at a painting, you can see that there was a painter. And if you investigate the painting, you might learn a thing or two about the painter. And so also with the world. God says everybody knows and has a sense of divinity. John Calvin calls it the sense of the divine. Every man knows that there must be a God. No civilization has been found without a concept of God. We know that we can see that. It's clear throughout scripture that God reveals himself through nature so that God is, that is certain, but what God is is not so certain. That is why we need special revelation. That is where the gospel comes in. That's where the word of God comes in. And even from creation we can deduce certain things about God. That's why we also and always encourage science. And the biggest hoax that has been sold to mankind is the Big Bang Theory and evolution. Saying that that's science and our faith is blind faith. But we know that's not true when we look at the world around us. We can learn something of God. You know, the law of science dictates that everything that happens must have a cause for it to happen. And if we begin with ourselves and trace that cause all the way back, we have to come to a point where we realize, okay, there has to be something that was without cause. Something that simply was. And that's something that was, had to have the ability to give life. Life with morality because we have that. 
a sense of morality, a life with purpose. And then thousands of years before all of this philosophical and scientific debates does the rounds, Moses asks God, when I go to the Israelites, whom shall I say sent me? And God says, I am the God that simply is. And we can learn that and we can see that from God, but it needs to progress from there. We have the necessity then that God himself must come and disclose himself to us in no uncertain terms. This is who I am. And by the way, this is who you also are. And this is how we relate to one another. And when that happens is when the word of God comes, the gospel message of Christ. And as we believe, we don't suppress that truth, but we surrender in obedience. Initial sanctification happens. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that all who are in Christ is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away. The new has come. Behold, look, see. There's evidence, there's fruit of something new that has taken place. There's an original sanctification that has happened. A cleansing. And when you look back at your life and there's no point in time where something has at least changed, then you should ask yourself whether I'm in Christ or not. Because Everyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Behold, look, see, the old has passed away, the new has come. And that is what happens here when we are born again through the living and abiding word of God. But then we need to also move on. We need to grow in our knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ, like Paul writes to the Corinthians. Grow in the knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then scripture makes this appeal to us. He says, in light of you being born again from the message of the gospel, do the following. Verse 1 to 3, it says, So put away, now that you've been born again through the living and abiding word of Christ, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed... You've tasted that the Lord is good. You've seen those things go together. Afrikaans translates it quite well. Sit on near in verlang sterk. It's a desire that goes together. So God says, in light of that, do these things. Put away and long for. Put away and take up. That is how I get rid of the worldly desires and ambitions that I have. And the moment I stopped putting away the things of the world was the same moment I stopped taking up the word of God. And some of us never grow. We never receive the ability to put away the things of the world because we've never taken up and longed for the word of God. It goes together. That is how that process works. It's the word of God that produces that work in me. Some of us are spiritually malnourished. Nothing going on, a lack of growth. Why? Because I don't have the sustenance to give me that growth. I don't have the nutrients. I don't have a longing for the pure spiritual milk. It says they like infants. Like infants, you long for pure spiritual milk. And then there's also the danger of the defiled spiritual milk. It's like Armo would say, condensed milk full of sugar, sugar-coated so that it might taste a little bit better, look a little bit more pleasing. And then we have spiritual diabetes. Geestelike suikersiekte. 
because we're consuming the wrong things and not what God has intended us to consume. That is how we grow in the knowledge of God. That is how I'm holy like He's holy. That is where the answer lies. When God comes and reveals Himself to us through Scripture. Like, I don't know if we sometimes get it and grasp it. Like, that is the Word of God. It's God revealing Himself to us. It's God saying, hey, this is what I'm like. This is who you are. This is how we relate to one another. God Himself coming, revealing Himself to us in no uncertain terms. Because we can only know God fully through Jesus Christ and we can only know Jesus Christ fully through Scripture. There is no other way. We cannot simply look at general revelation and try to figure out for ourselves what this God can be like, should be like, what I'd like Him to be like. No. We need to turn to Scripture. But then we look at this and we say, but I don't have the desire. I don't have the longing for the pure spiritual milk. But the interesting thing is, Scripture commands it, yeah? I don't know if you see that. It says, like newborn infants, long for. That long for is a command. Scripture is telling us to long for the Word of God. It's not saying if you long for it, read. It says long for it. Long for it. And this week in small group, we were playing turkeys and eagles. And one of the cards spoke about uh, temptation. Temptation and self-control. And as I said the words about self-control loud, I realized for the first time how ridiculous it actually is. Self-control. What does that mean? To be in control of yourself. Like when I don't have self-control, I'm not even in control of myself. My passions are busy taking me this side and that side, leading me in that direction and this direction. And scripture says that God has given us a spirit of self-control. Control yourself. Long for the word of God. Don't allow the passions of this world to take you here and there. And there's a beautiful poem written by John Bunyan, the guy who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. And he says, Run, John, run. The law commands. But it gives me neither feet nor hands. A far better message the gospel brings, it bids me fly, then gives me wings. Run, John, run, the law commands, but it gives me neither feet nor hands. A far better message, the gospel states, it bids desire and then creates. God gives us, through his word, what is needed for what he commands us to do. He creates that in us. He gives that desire. If God says fly, he gives you the wings to do so. Because then comes the challenging statement in this passage. In verse 3, it says, If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. Put away the worldly things and long for spiritual milk. If you've tasted that God is good. And where would you have tasted that? The good news of the gospel. And what scripture is asking us, it says, don't you have any desire to know the God who saved you? Is there no longing to know the one that gave his life for you? No desire to know a holy, righteous God who gave himself for me. And then it says we're back at last week's point. Then you have reason to fear. 
Because maybe we're receiving the grace of God in vain again. But if you've tasted, then long. And not only long to understand, but long to obey. Because if I've tasted His goodness and seen in light of the goodness of God what He's done for me, then I give myself in obedience to Him. You see, because holiness is not knowing something different, it's being someone different. It's not knowing something else, it's being someone else. It's being set apart. It is to be holy, like He is holy. It's not just to know something different. And we know that. We see it here in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. How does that purification work? By obeying the truth. And last week in chapter 1 verse 14 it says the same thing. As obedient children do not conform to the form and passions that you have when you lived in ignorance. But as he who called you is holy. Be holy in all your conduct. As obedient children be holy. The first time God commands the Israelites to be holy is in Leviticus 20 verse 7 and 8. Then in verse 8 it says by obeying my commands. Be holy like I am holy. Obey my commands. And in verse 8 of chapter 2, what does it say? The people that are not the holy nation, that are not the royal priesthood, the people that take offense and they stumble, why do they stumble? Because they disobey the word. Obedience, that is holiness. When I bring my life in line with the gospel message of God. And it's here normally where the slave mentality sets in. Now the yoke has been placed. Now I need to go and do this. Okay, now I'll go read. I'll go and buy. I'll go and do what God says. But that's not this message. And this is where we need to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. If you've tasted that He is good. You see, because every command that Scripture gives me, when I obey it, it's not a step closer to my redemption. It's a step closer to my Redeemer. It's not a step closer to earn my salvation. It's a step closer to the one who already saved me. It's an invitation to come. Not an invitation to show God how great you are, that he should love you and our favor upon you. No. It's an invitation to draw closer to the God who already accepted, already forgave, already gave everything for us. You see, Scripture says here in verse 4 and 5 of chapter 2, Long for spiritual milk, if you've tasted that he is good, as you come to him. As you come to him, that is the invitation, that is why we do that, that is why we long, so that we might come to him. A living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourself, like living stones, are being built up. If I long for him, if I've tasted that he is good, then I Come to Him. That is the invitation. That is why I long for Scripture. So that I can draw near to the one who saved me. So that I can know the God who gave everything for me. It's the same words we read in Hebrews 10.22 in the Greek. After the writer explains the high priestly work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Then he says in verse 22. Let us then draw near. With full assurance. And true heart. Let us then draw near. In light of what God has done, let us then draw near. You see, each and everything that Peter is commanding us to do is something that 
drives us closer to God. Place your hope fully in God. What does that do? It drives me closer to God. Fear God. What does it do? It drives me closer to God. Be holy. What does that do? It drives me closer to God. In the light of His grace, when He commands me to be holy, then I draw near to God and I ask Him, Lord, make me holy. It's like the shepherd coming, opening up the pen to the sheep and he's inviting us to come inside. Each and every command in scripture is the invitation to draw closer to the God who already gave it all. I want to end off for us with the following statement. The call to be holy, like he is holy, in the light of our fallenness should lead us to draw near to him who is holy and ask him by grace. To make us holy like He is holy. The call to be holy like He is holy in the light of our fallenness should lead us to draw near to Him who is holy and ask Him by His grace to make us holy like He is holy. Because it says there in verse 4 to 5, as you come to Him, you yourselves are being built up. We cannot even build up ourselves. But as we come to Him, He's busy building us up. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you. Just draw near. And I want that to sink into our minds every morning when we wake up, at night when we go to sleep, and you think about the Word of God. Do not think about it as this book that I need to go and read and study and obey. But it is an invitation of the God who gave His life for you, inviting you that you might know Him. And also in the process, know yourself also a little bit better. But it's an invitation to come so that I can make of you what I desire you to be. But have that self-control. Long for that be a spiritual mark. Let's stand up and pray together tonight. Yes, Lord, Father, thank you that we can draw near as a church, Lord, in the light of your goodness, Father, in the light of your wonder, Lord. Just to think of that fact, Lord, a holy, righteous God who created everything, Lord, came and revealed himself to us, most fully in Jesus Christ, the Word that became flesh. In the beginning was God, the God was with the Word, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we can know You, Lord, fully through Scripture. You have revealed Yourself to us, Lord, in no uncertain terms. We don't need to have to wonder about it. It is truth, Lord. Like Stephen Lawson says, Lord, You are the sole author of truth. Redemption is what You say it is, Lord. Sin is what you say it is. Judgment is what you say it is. Heaven and hell is what you say it is, Lord. The gospel is what you say it is. And we respond, Lord, how you ask of us. You are the author of truth, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that when you come and ask us, Lord, to have a desire, you come and create that desire in us when we simply come to you. When you ask us to fly, Lord, you give us wings. 
We marvel tonight, Lord, at your goodness. And we want to repent, Lord, about how as a church, Lord, we've grown passive concerning your word. The words of the Holy God that gave himself for me. What a wonderful thing, Lord. And we pray, Father, that you would again, Lord, come and give us a holy passion, Father, for your word. Not only to know it, Lord, but to obey it, Father, and to live it out. May it consume us, Lord. Like any says, Father. May we consume the word of God until it consumes us. For you are the word, Lord. You are the way, the truth, and the life. 